You are now listening to the ACMS podcast. Welcome to the ACMS podcast. My name is Logan Browning, your podcaster, and this week's guest is Tyler Martin. Tyler is a 2008 BYU-Idaho construction management graduate. He completed both of his internships before graduating. One was done with LC Construction in Rexburg, Idaho, and his second one was done with Newcorp Building Systems in Brigham City, Utah. Tyler has a vast list of experience in the construction industry, ranging from drafting to project manager. Tyler is currently working as a project manager for SME Steel and has worked on projects ranging from the Golden State Warriors Arena to the Lavelle Edwards football stadium renovation to the Facebook campus expansion and to the old U2 stage at the Living Planet Aquarium. Tyler, welcome. We're we're glad that you are able to connect back with us after a few years after graduation. If well, if if by a few you mean um, now this year it turns to twelve, then that's not too bad. <laughs> we're we're glad you still have that connection even after being twelve years, and we're, we're grateful to learn more about you. Is there anything else you'd like to mention that wasn't mentioned in your bio? Really, one of the biggest things is part of why I went up up to Rexburg was there's a bit of a legacy. Uh, with Rick's College <laughs> um, within my family. My grandpa taught business there for 30 years. And my grandma, when she got the last of the six kids old enough to where she could work, she went and worked in the manwaring center in the billing scheduling. And so my grandpa retired in 99 and my grandma retired about nine months later. So um, all of all six of their kids went to Rick's. All but one of them went to BYU. My, uh, my uncle Kyle Martin still works there in, in the administration and he was the registrar by the time I graduated. Um, I think he's the director of admissions now or just uh, something like that. But uh, um, I haven't been on campus in probably two years. And it's, it's, it's so different, it's kind of crazy. Those listening won't be able to see because it's a podcast, but you're repping some BYU-Idaho apparel, which is good to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now you're still representing, which is good. And speaking of BYU-Idaho, it leads us into our first discussion about your education, which didn't start at BYU-Idaho, but started at UVU down in Utah. Do you want to give us some detail about what happened in your transition from UVU to BYU-Idaho? Well, one thing I didn't put, put in the bio was I actually did spend my first year out of college or out of high school in Rexburg. I was a 18 year old bonehead. I, I really didn't know how a lot of things worked. So I, I was in Rexburg for a year and, and then went to, at the time it was UVSC. I went into the drafting technology where 
it was an it was an applied associates, but there were still certain general requirements um, for that specific one, and uh, that was where I was able to expand on my enjoyment of having a CAD program to use. So I took the two the the two drafting classes in high school at Springville, and I won a mechanical drafting competition at Southern Utah University. Then when I got to UVSC, it was, uh, there were only two classes that didn't have anything to do with using a computer. And that was statics and strengths of materials, which I'm kind of a math guy. So they were two of my favorite classes. That's where I found out how much I like structural steel. So I took all of the structural steel detailing classes they had. And the last one was actually using, um, was creating a 3D model like, what, like what's extremely common now. And where I work now, we do have an, an in-house detailer. So it's, it's pretty cool to see how far that stuff has come since I graduated from there in 2005. One thing that has helped me a lot at BYU Idaho was learning how to do my own wiring, my own plumbing, my own concrete, and so many things. It saved me a lot of money. Let's jump into that then. Let's talk about your transition from UVU because you had a little time off until you went up to Rexburg. Do you mind yeah. explaining what happened from the time you you left UVU until you got to BYU-Idaho? Yeah, I was kind of treading in dangerous waters. Uh, I finished at UVU in May of 2005. I decided to take the semester off and earn some money because I didn't want to have to work very much during school. So I was still working at Lowe's down here on University Parkway. And then I was able to be transferred to the store up there. It was interesting to have a job 30 miles from you and have to go work, but they didn't change my pay, so I really didn't want to do something else. I came back in January of of the next of the next school year and I started getting into construction management where that first year I was telling you about was actually architecture was my major and I actually I to tell you the truth completely forgot I was in that major until I I went back and looked at some of my uh, my school history it's a lot more fun in school for me when you get into the higher end classes, because, because ideally it's what you want to do and something you like to do. There's quite a few jobs in construction. You don't really do it for the money necessarily. Getting back into construction stuff outside of CAD was pretty refreshing. And one thing that's fun about at least the classes I took up there were the fact that many were were hands-on. 
So I had electrical systems with Brother Miller, framing systems, and we built the model homes. I don't know if you guys are still doing that. One of the classes that, that got quite a few discouraging looks, I, I had electrical systems at 7 a.m. Come to think of it right now, with as big of a, an issue mental health has become, it's extremely important. Depression runs in my dad's side of the family, which is my family that lives up in Rexburg. It wasn't acceptable to have any kind of disability. Well, you're talking to somebody who has a speech impediment, and I've worked my butt off to control it, you know. It's, it's extremely important for students. So I'm going to get to part of that final question. School is stressful. Life is stressful. And do not be afraid to ask for help. You know, for me personally, where am I going to go? <laughs> I mean, there's not necessarily a help center for, for a, a speech pathologist, but the, I, th I think the most important thing in school is you want to act like it's your job. One, one thing that's nice about having parents like mine and like many of, many of the kids listening is they teach you discipline. They, if you want something, you're going to have to do something for it. And like I was saying, discipline, I spent all day on campus. I rarely went back to my apartment, even for lunchtime. There were many days I was in the library or, or in, the, in one of the buildings till 9, 10, 11 at night when they, when they actually had to kick you out. My goal in that was to not ever have to do homework on the weekend. Because like what I was saying before, as stressful as school is, you gotta have time for yourself. But don't shortchange yourself on your schoolwork. Because you may graduate, but do you wanna graduate with a middle of the road GPA? Or do you really wanna learn it and help yourself out at the end of your time at, at school. And some of that goes for people who, who want to be a nurse or a doctor. And I have a younger sister who is a lead charge nurse at the newborn intensive care unit down here in Provo. You would not believe the kind of stuff she does all day. And in a way, construction is similar to that as far as the responsibility of the life going inside of, of all of the buildings you help on, because part of the cornerstone of the program is integrity. Just because somebody doesn't, um, is not looking over your shoulder the whole time doesn't mean you can't do your job correctly. And when it comes time to start doing the job, you can't hide the fact that you, you didn't put much time or work into your part of it. So I guess part of my, my advice from that is treat your schoolwork like a job.
And Tyler, you mentioned that you did not like to work during school, and I don't think an internship would be considered work because it's part of your education. Do you want to share experiences from your time doing your internship with LC Construction and then working after at Nucor Building Systems? So with with the with the LC Construction job, I stayed in Rexburg that semester in the summer. The person who owned this particular company was one of the partners for Teton West. At the time, they were just off Highway 20 by that Shell gas station a few miles south of town. But now they're down in Rigby, last time I saw. Uh, he owned part of Teton West, so he was able to hire his own company to go out there and do this work. And we built 13 potato sellers. I was there long enough that we, we built a Nissan dealership in uh, Idaho Falls. I was there for most of the time of a, of a hangar that we, that we erected at the airport. And it was fun to do that stuff, to learn to work as a team, to work efficiently, do your part. And one of my goals when I work is if you give me a job or, or a task, it belongs to me. It's no, it doesn't belong to somebody else, which, and by that, I mean, it goes back to part of the, the integrity. If you do something well, well, and you do it well constantly and consistently, they will never want you to, to leave and go somewhere else. And granted, I wasn't planning on building potato cellars the rest of my life, but I did my job the best I could do it. And, and there was a noticeable difference when my boss or the superintendent on site would have somebody else do, uh, do what they normally would have me do. I was able to learn different techniques. I was able to learn how other people were, how to manage, how not to manage. And we'll get into some of that management eventually. But once you get out of school into a real world work setting is when you actually learn what you were taught in school. After that, that particular internship was done. I had some experience uh, hanging steel, hanging beams, hanging, uh, hanging columns. Nucor Building Systems was a good job, but it's nothing like estimating in the kind of work the company I work with now does. They had a, this very elaborate Excel spreadsheet. There was there was a professional engineer who would design the building and then he would give us certain certain information we would, we seriously all we all we would do is plug it into something but the way they did their buildings they didn't really need to be much more in depth but there were times where some guys I was with there needed to help needed needed help calculation on the square footage of something so I 
had to use my experience in CAD to help them. I only spent my my internship length there, which ended April 12th. No, no, I graduated April 12th, 2008. So it was like the Friday before that, it, um, I sat down with my boss and said, you know, um, I think I'm going to go do, I'm, I'm going to go and do something else. He told me if, if I wanted to stay, I had a job. And uh, that was part of the beginning of the recession, actually, being in 2008. So there was a lot of downtime. You'd be really busy in the morning. And then once you got done with what was available, I found stuff to read that was related to what they did. I partly left because I counted my chickens before they hatched. I interviewed with SME in March of 2008. I just kind of assumed they were going to hire me. And I ended up being out of a job for like five weeks. That's when I got into my real first job post school, which was, they gave me the job title of construction manager, which for this particular small general contractor was, oh man, who was it? It was, uh, uh, it was double P construction. This guy was a retired, like a Lieutenant Colonel in the, in the U S air force. Uh, one of the guys told me he retired from the Pentagon. This general contracting company was just kind of a expensive hobby. My first job salary was $35,000 a year, which I really couldn't say much to because, you know, I was making nothing and what they were planning on paying was a lot better than zero. I worked with our laboring crews. That was nice. And I love how you transitioned from your internship and talking into your post-college life. Give us some insight of what you do now with, with SM, SME Steel, some projects you've worked on, your position, just a little more information for us to understand what you do. I started there October 29th, 2013. About three months in, they gave me my first small project. It was five pipe bollards. They gave us small projects like projects like, like that to help us learn the processes um, within the company to start interacting more with the customer, which, which for, for us is always a general contractor, and to basically get your feet wet. So f throughout the years, I, I did all fabricate and we just ship them what was fabricated and somebody else would install it. Because we have our own e erection crews and they are part of the union. Our shop is not union. So to learn how to work with a union, especially for people who are planning on going back home in California or Nevada, 
it's it's a huge deal. The more time that went on, the more I was the more responsibility I was given, the bigger my jobs got. My first larger job was fabricating two cell phone towers. One of them was going on a property of a school and they made it look like a kind of a water tower. So all of the electronics were hidden in top were 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 hidden in the top of this big tower, and this job was worth only thirty thousand dollars or something. And the second stair tower was on the property of a church, not the church that we belong to, but a different Christian church in West Jordan, and it was it was built to be a looked like it was a big bell tower the first job i actually did that required um field installation from us it, it was a gigantic job of two columns and one beam that went on the front of a really expensive restaurant in downtown park city on main street in February, mind you. So he got a variance from Park City, and those of you who are familiar with Park City, they want to keep it historical. So their their building codes are extremely strict when you get next to downtown. And if you bend up to Park City on Old Main, it's not a flat road. That thing is steep. So we we had to set up a hydro crane on a steep road in in one of the coldest months um, of winter just to hang these these beams or, or this beam and both of and both of these columns and then I guess some of the first large large jobs I worked on as an assistant I was brought in after the start of the job for the Utah Valley Regional Medical Center. So that new that new tower that's on 500 West, it's like 13 stories or something. It was about 3,500 tons of steel. And I took over for the assistant project manager on that job because they fired him. One of the most crazy jobs I was put in on late. And I'm talking about 75% job done kind of thing. So we fabricated and erected the, the new arena for the Golden State Warriors. And the uh, assistant PM, he's from Vegas. He got a, an opportunity to go work for a, a general contractor that does most of their work in Vegas. So he, he could go home at the end of each day. But we were still submitting shop drawings for approval at the roof. We were fabricating and erecting the, the last parts of the top of the walls of the, of the whole building. And on top of that, the management was nice enough to send one of the project managers who was helping on that job to look over the shoulder of a sub 
fabricator we work with in Texas for a week. So my first couple weeks on that job were doing my job and his job. And I was there from 7 a.m. to 7, 8, 9 at night just trying to catch up and keep up. Some of the projects I've worked on as an assistant PM, Golden State Warriors Arena, the last 25% of it. See, I was the assistant on the remodel of the Vivint Arena for the Jazz. We, um, we didn't do all of the steel, but we did one of the canopies out one of the, the small doors. I think it was the south doors. We did all of the stairs inside. We did the new beams for the retail stores. I think the coolest thing we did was in the lower bowl, there are eight new, they're called a uh, vomitory, that, that you come out of the walkways into, the, into where the seating is. We post install and hung all of the steel and deck under all eight of those things from beneath and then the general contractor came in and then they cut the they then they cut the precast out the impressive part of that is we had to we had to custom locate all of the holes for the where where the uh, post install anchors were supposed to go the contractor x-rayed the concrete to find all the rebar so we don't hit it and we did it from below in very tight quarters and then uh, I did a little bit of work on the Ram Stadium so that was 65,000 tons of steel I was the assistant on the expansion of the hospital in St. George Utah what are some of the other big jobs? Um, one that's extremely unique, and I personally have not seen one like it within the world. It's not the biggest thing, but it's the way it's designed and its finished product is, is just nuts. So it's a concrete core, and it goes up to 25 stories, but there's no permanent steel touch in the ground. This is the 111 South Main building in downtown Salt Lake, just south of the City Creek Mall. This was something else because we had to, we had to build it on temporary columns. We couldn't put temporary columns on the south side of the building because there was a, another job we were doing with a different general contractor that is now the Eccles Theater. It, the beginning at level five of the tower cantilevers over the top of that building by 50 feet. And there's a four foot gap and these two buildings don't touch. And so we had to find a way to build the south side of the building. So what ended up happening is there were these, these special frames we fabricated and we put these these gigantic steel plates 
in the concrete walls, we attached these frames to those plates in the concrete, but they were, but the connection from the beams to, to what we put onto those plates was, um, was a hinge basically. So on the north side of the building, we had a hard bolted connection. On the south side, we had these special beam sections that we welded on the column. And there were hydraulic jacks put underneath grids three, four, and five. And there were a, a, a total of seven grid lines. So you had the, the center three grid lines where each column had two 500 ton jacks. They attached these 1 million pound capacity four inch steel cables. And I kind of wish I had one down here. And as you went inside of it, they got bigger, but we attached these two frames together on opposite sides of this concrete core. And we had rolled pipes inside of the concrete. We laid these cables down. They cast all of this stuff in place, but the cables could still move. So what we would do is, is we would erect a sequence of steel and I keep saying that, but a sequence to us is a section of the building. And so we would hang a sequence of steel and deck, and that would put weight on these cables and it would stretch the cable. So the columns, as you go up, get bigger, not smaller, like a normal building. But they calculated the weld shrinkage of the column splices, the weight of the concrete, the rebar, the exterior, the facade, up to a certain point. And, and these cables were supposed to hold all of this stuff and everything in the south, east and west corners were cantilevering off of the temporary columns and the ones that are being held up by these 500 ton jacks. And so that went on for like nine months. And one thing that made people lose their minds was when the cable started to retract and come back into itself. So like I said, you will use your statics stuff. So your moment of elasticity hasn't, hadn't been reached. So it, does not stay stretched out and it's it was not there for a long a, a long enough time for it not to want to come back to its 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 fabricated state so it would so even though there was grease inside of those pipes it would release so much pressure that that the cable would kind of um, move and the whole building would shake like it was coming down. And that is one of the, one of the most impressive buildings I've seen, much less been a part of. And I'm actually the deck project, ma project manager on a similar building, but we're actually building, building it for real from the ground up. Other big 
big projects as an assistant, not too many really come to mind, but my favorite so far for myself is the BYU football stadium structural steel remodel. So it was a very small job. It was, it was, it was eight, 850 tons. And that job was, was very interesting. It, for me, it, it was a big deal. You know, I'm a BYU fan. A lot of my family went there. My mom still works there. With being a fan, it's always a big deal to do stuff like that. And apparently the job was almost not, or the, after they told me I was going to do it, they apparently almost took it uh, away from me. So here I am in the biggest job I've done, which, which was the contract, the base contract was just shy of $5 million. I was basically put in a put in a success or a fail situation luckily and pretty much the one good thing ever that has come out of having a speech impediment is i'm not one to speak first <laughs> so so i do um a lot of listening and a lot of of taking in what is happening and being said and done. If you can't learn how to talk to customers, you and and there's one thing you don't want. You don't want a fight from day one. So there's give and take on jobs. There's scratch your back, scratch mine type of of, of stuff. Tyler, we appreciate everything you have shared with us, the experiences and the advice that you have given us. We want to close by focusing on the four cornerstones of the department which are to build others through Christ-like service, lead with integrity, design, construct, and connect with our communities, and grow our knowledge continually. With everything that you have gone through and experienced through your education, through work, through the recession, how do you choose to lead with integrity? It has to be very personal. You have to want to do it right. You have to have that urge. You have to want to do it right for your company, for your crew, for your family, for the people who are going to use that building. My biggest part of that was to take the job personally. Like I said before, it belonged to me. It was mine. And I don't like people having to wait for me. Is there any last minute words you'd like to say for us? Any last minute advice? For all of you young people going out on these big jobs, do not, I cannot stress this enough, do not please act like you know it all. Because nobody on that job site will. The most, not even the most experienced person. And learn how to work with people, learn how to talk to them, good news and especially bad news. And the business culture in the company on job sites will make or break a company. Do not ever be afraid to do something that's, that you haven't done. And do not say it's not my job. Because when it's, when, if you say it's not your job, 
and you do not expand yourself, because I've had to use 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 um, my CAD a ton to save time on these big jobs. If people hear you say no too many times, they will not come to you. You you will hurt yourself, but if if you want to move up, if you want to if you want to learn and move up, say yes. And do not ever be afraid to ask questions. Perfect. Tyler, thank you. Like once again, we're grateful that we're able to connect back with you. And we wish you the best for the future. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the ACMS podcast.